This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Will you pray with me? God, we come tonight just letting that song be the cry of our heart, Lord. Where our sin runs deep, your grace runs deeper still. And so, Lord, we, we stand tonight aware of our sin, but not in fear of it. We stand aware of the guilt it has brought, but not burdened by the shame from it. Lord, we come tonight to recognize our sin, but more importantly, we come to receive your victory. So Lord, I pray for each one of us. You see our struggles. You see the things that cause us guilt and shame. You see the promises that we've made to you a thousand times and we've broken them a thousand times. Lord, I pray that this evening would be a moment not of condemnation, not of guilt, but of the conviction of your Holy Spirit and of the freedom that Jesus Christ brings. Jesus, we come to celebrate you, to receive your power, and to receive your life. We ask that your spirit would make that our reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us tonight on Ash Wednesday. It is good to see you. Uh, We're especially glad to have all of our remnant students down with us this evening. Uh, It's always fun. We see you guys on Sundays, but fun to see you on a Wednesday on occasion. Um, Each year on Ash Wednesday, I I always enjoy seeing how many of you uh, grew up in a church or in, in some form or fashion, Ash Wednesday has been part of your life for a long time. Right? Now, now long is relative, right? Because for our sixth graders, if you've grown up at Christian Chapel, Ash Wednesday has been part of your life for a long time. Um, now, that's not long compared to some others of us in here. Uh, how many of you grew up without Ash Wednesday being part of your life at all? Okay? So that was me. I grew up in a church uh, that loved Jesus, that celebrated the heck out of Easter, um, but Lent was either in your belly button, in the dryer, or something your Catholic friends did, right? That was just my only awareness of Lent was that it meant some of my buddies ate fish in the school cafeteria on Friday. And you always knew something serious was happening because nobody ate fish in the school cafeteria willingly. Um, but, but Lent was just not something that I, that I did. Now, if, if that's where you are, um, or maybe I know at times there are some people who even approach seasons like Lent and Ash Wednesday and Good Friday and Advent, and maybe you've come away from um, a form of religion that you felt had all of these practices but no actual relationship with the Lord. And, and so maybe you even wonder, well, why do we even do this. And, and so my encouragement to you is to not let a previous bad experience uh, rob you from participating in something that Christians around the world and throughout history have found to be an incredibly meaningful part of their spiritual experience. For me, Lent was not something I participated in. Uh, when I came to Christian Chapel to be the youth pastor, it was my first real introduction to this process of going through a season of preparation uh, and reflection leading up to Easter. So if, if you're not familiar at all, Lent is the 40 days before Easter. It doesn't include Sundays, um, but it's 40 days that the church has historically set aside starting about the 10th century to prepare our hearts for Easter. Now, if that was important then, I think it's equally, if not more important for us now, because many of you, like me, you know, the pace of your life is so busy, 
and things come one after another after another, and it seems like just yesterday it was Christmas, and tomorrow it will be summer, right? And so what happens to us is that we just get caught up in the, the normal rush of life, and the next thing we know, we wake up, and it's Easter Sunday morning, and it's a lot of fun and a big celebration, but our hearts haven't fully prepared to celebrate the significance of the resurrection. And so what Lent provides us with then is a season to pause, a season to slow down, a season to reflect, and to consider what Jesus has done, why he has done it, and what difference that makes in our lives. And so we'll talk in a little bit about during Lent, uh, you know, historically Christians have either chosen to put something down to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, or to pick something up to remember the new life that he brings to us. But before we get to that, Lent begins with Ash Wednesday. And so today is Ash Wednesday. Um, in just a little while, towards the end of the service, you'll have an opportunity to come up and receive communion. And you will also receive um, ashes on your forehead in the shape of a cross. You saw that uh, with the band when they were up here. We did that with them before the service. And, and that is um, on purpose, and it's to remind us of a couple of things. So Ash Wednesday historically is um, basically one big object lesson for the church, right? Now, if you grew up going to church and you went to uh, like a children's church or or right now, you know, we call it Kids Blast here. Most Sundays when they're in there, Pastor Amy is, has objects to help her illustrate her point. And that's basically what Ash Wednesday is. It's a a thousand-year-old tradition of the church saying, hey, we want you to learn something, and we don't want you to forget it, and so we're actually going to smudge this on your forehead to help you remember a couple things. And so we're going to talk just uh, real quickly about three things that Ash Wednesday helps us remember, and specifically that these ashes help us to remember. First of all, they remind us of our mortality. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19 says, you are dust, and to dust you will return. Right? If, if you've ever been to a funeral, particularly to the, the graveside portion, the, the committal service, you've probably heard that statement, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And so on Ash Wednesday, as we are getting ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, what we are first remembering is that we are all mortal, we are temporary, we are finite, which should then point our attention to our need for someone who is not mortal, who is not temporary, and who is not finite. And so as we remember our own mortality, it reminds us that we are not God, right? That we are in need of someone to come to us, to rescue us, to redeem us, to save us from death itself. So when those ashes are placed on your forehead, it's a reminder, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We are all born to die because of the result of sin. And yet, the ashes are placed on us in the shape of a cross, reminding us that yes, this is the curse of sin, and yet Christ has come to break that curse for us. And we sing that song fairly regularly in Christ alone, and it, it has that line, no guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. And on Ash Wednesday, what we're remembering is, yes, we are mortal. Yes, there will come an end to these days. We will draw our last breath. But the God who knew us before we were born is the God who will care for us after we die. And we too one day will be resurrected with him. Our mortality is not something we really uh, enjoy talking about. 
You know, if you don't believe me, go to work or school tomorrow and start every conversation with, I'm going to die, and so are you, right? And just, just observe people's reaction. Most people are going to walk away, right? Don't, if you're a student, please don't do that because the principal is going to call your parents and be like, I don't know what's wrong, but we felt like, you know, just don't, don't go down that road. But we, we just don't enjoy it. But Ash Wednesday forces us to confront our mortality, the ashes also remind us of our need to repent and that just the, the effect of sin on many levels. First of all, they remind us that sin always leaves a mark. Right? Proverbs uh, 6, 28 and 29 says, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? But it, it reminds us we can't mess around with sin without it leaving a mark. You know, I might not have the best aim in the world, but I promise you one thing. If you come up here in a little bit and stand in front of me, you're getting a black cross on you somewhere, right? I'm not going to, to miss. And it's the same way with sin. Like you, you might think no one knows about this. No one's ever heard about it, but sin leaves a mark. And it's a mark that doesn't just affect you, but it affects others as well. And so on Ash Wednesday, we come and we receive this mark as a reminder that sin always harms. Sin always brings negative consequences to my life. It also reminds us that sin always brings death. Paul tells us in Romans 6, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, our, the reason for our mortality is our sin. It's our sin that brought death into God's perfect creation. It's our sin that continues to lead to death, but it's not just our physical death. And we know from our own experience that sin brings relational death. We know that it can kill parts of our soul, parts of our personality, parts of our mind. It can destroy relationships. It can destroy jobs. It can destroy futures. Sin is filthy. Sin is dirty. And sin always leads to death. The ashes remind us of the ruin that sin brings, both temporary and eternal. They also symbolize our humility before God. In Job 42, we, we find the story of Job. He has been questioning God for some suffering that he's going through. He has been angry with God, and, and finally God speaks back to him. And in this big, beautiful answer, God basically says, who are you to question me? Were you there you know, when I hung the stars, when I, when I told the, the snow where to be stored, when I formed all of these things? Were you there? And in Job's response, he says, I take back what I said. And I sit in dust and ashes to show that I'm sorry. And so throughout the Old Testament, there's this, this tradition of when someone is repenting, they would put on sackcloth, this really like kind of burlapish, kind of rough material. And they would put ashes on their head as a sign to the community and as a sign to God that I am repenting and I am sitting here in humility. The ashes remind us not only of the humility we come to before God, but they also remind us of our humble standing with each other. You know, all of us are going to receive the ashes on our forehead. And in doing so, it reminds us that we are equal in two ways. First, without Christ, we are all equal in our lostness. Right? There is not one person who is good enough to be closer to God than another without Jesus Christ. So we are, we're equal, and that should bring humility to our hearts. It also reminds us that we are equal in our standing with Christ. That once we have received him, we are now brothers and sisters. And so we will treat each other humbly and gently, recognizing that we are all sinners saved by grace. 
Right? So, so parents, if, if your child is here with you and you go home tonight and they happen to do something that frustrates you, right? let that cross on their forehead be a reminder to you. It's because of their sin. Right? And Jesus has come to save them, so don't kill them. Because you've got the cross too, right? Your parents just aren't there anymore to highlight all of your weaknesses and failings. Sue Kirk was telling me before service tonight, she said, you know, last year on Ash Wednesday, I was driving home and a lady rear-ended me at a stoplight. And I got out of my car and I was so fired up and so angry and I turned around and I said, man, what happened? And she said, oh, I was just looking down. And Sue said, I know that meant she was looking at her phone. She said, I was just so fired up. And then as I got closer and the lights of the car started to shine, I could see she had an ash cross on her forehead. And I still had mine on from the church as well. And we had this moment of just looking at each other. But in that moment, I mean, Sue's experience was the, the perfect example of this. It's the, the humble recognition of we are all sinners saved by grace. And so guess what? Sometimes you're going to mess up and you're going to be looking at your phone and plow into the car in front of you. And sometimes you're going to be the one who gets plowed into But in each and every circumstance, we are remembering, I'm not higher, I'm not lower, we are equal, we are brothers, we are sisters in Christ. And and so Ash Wednesday is just this, this big, beautiful object lesson to us of, hey, we are sinners in need of a Savior, and thank God He has sent Jesus to solve our sin problem. Now, Ash Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, right? This is, the, the, this is our starting point, and Lent itself can be a very meaningful experience for us. Now, it's only going to be as meaningful as you allow it to be. If you approach it as a religious exercise, then you might get a little bit of value out of it, but if you approach it as an opportunity of, hey, for the next 40 days, I am going to build some rhythms and patterns into my life to be intentional about paying attention to who I am and what Jesus is doing in the world, then Lent can become a really powerful 40-day spiritual renewal for you. It can become a time where your awareness shifts from your little problems and your little world to the bigness of God and what he's doing in the world. Now, historically, Christians have participated in Lent, as I said earlier, in two ways, either by putting something down or by picking something up. Now, when we put something down, we are putting things down, whether that is um, attitudes or actions or forms of speech. Some people give up. This is where you're giving up your, your coffee or your chocolate or your, um, I always love the, the ones that are like, I'm giving up beer and cussing and smoking for Lent. It's like, good for you. You know, good a time as any. So, uh, you know, but whatever it is you're giving up, here's, here's a challenge for us, though, as, I mean, let's just be honest, in our kind of, um, our current culture, our part of society, our socioeconomic standing. For many of us, the temptation of Lent is to use it as like New Year's resolution volume two. Screwed up in January, but now it's for Jesus, right? Like I, I was going to lose 10 pounds. I gained 15. Now Jesus is going to help me. I'm going to lose all 25. And so we kind of just take in this new, this new little setting here. That's that's not the goal of giving something up for Lent, right? This is not an exercise in self-improvement. It's not um, something you do to try to make God love you more. You know, did you know God's not actually impressed with if you eat chocolate or not? Doesn't care. Not particularly impressed that you can go 40 days without coffee, right? 
Jesus went 40 days without food or water. Come back to me then. You know, that, like, I feel like these would be his responses to us. Like, yeah, good for you. Uh, but, but so when we're putting something down, why are we doing it? Well, we are putting things down so that when we reach for those things, which is why it's important that you, if you're going to put something down, put something down you actually notice on a regular basis, right? Like for me, I'm not going to put down Brussels sprouts. I mean, I am, but it's, that's not really something that's going to just really point my attention to Jesus. It's just going to be life as normal, right? I don't eat those things. Uh, but, but when we're putting something down, we want it something regular, something good. And what it's supposed to do is every time we would normally reach for that thing, it reminds us of the sacrifice Christ has made for us. So again, it's not making God love us more. It's not making us holier. It's not making us better. It's not making us, uh, elevating us above other Christians. But instead, it's just like, hey, instead of that Coke, I'm getting water. And in this moment, I'm remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. Right? Instead of this, I'm doing that. And I'm remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. And, and it's the same thing with picking something up. Again, we're not picking things up to try to improve ourselves. Now, if you want to do that, that's fine. Do it. Uh, but don't kind of pile on the, the Jesus card on top of it. And so when you're, most of the time when people are picking up something for Lent, they're picking up um, reading their scriptures more, praying more, uh, attending worship services more, giving more. These things that, that Jesus has called us to do. Oftentimes there can be a relationship. You know, there are, um, I remember back when I was a youth pastor, there was a girl who said, uh, for Lent, I am not going to buy any more headbands. Is that a big thing for you. Um, it, but she said, it, not only am I not going to buy headbands, but the money I would spend on headbands, I'm going to give to missions. And it's going to be a reminder for me, not only of the sacrifice Jesus made, but of the new life he now offers to us. And so I, I you know, I, I was curious. I'm like, so, I mean, what do you, how, how much do you think you're going to give? Like $2? Uh, you know, because how many headbands can a girl buy? And she's like, yeah, I'll probably give like 50 bucks. I was like, on headbands? Well, they're expensive. You know, and so it's just you, you, this whole interesting conversation. But, but here's the thing, right? You, what you put down, what you pick up, sometimes it feels super spiritual. Sometimes it feels super practical. The, the, the point is not the object. The point is what God is doing in your heart through these things. And so what we're doing in Lent is we're not becoming legalistic. We're not saying God's going to love me more if I do this or do that. Instead, we're just saying, I want to build some rhythms and practices into my life. I want to do some things to get my attention to redirect me towards the activity and the work of Christ in my life and in the world. And as Jesus works through those things, Lent becomes a tool he can use to bring renewal, to bring encouragement, and to bring strength to us. And so, so I would never try to guilt you in of saying, hey, you know, if you don't participate in Lent, you're not a real Christian, Jesus doesn't love you. My encouragement to you is, hey, use this next 40 days as a time for spiritual renewal, as a time to uh, do some things you wouldn't normally do to highlight the activity and the work of God in your life and in the world. In just a moment, you're going to be able to come and receive the ashes. And they're going to go on you and they're, they're going to be black and they're going to be kind of messy and dirty. And, and that is, is intentional. It's to remind us that sin brings death, that sin is a mess, that it causes destruction for us. And, but they're also going on you in the shape of a cross to remind you that Jesus has come to defeat all sin. Now, I, I don't know your approach to considering your own sin. I grew up with this understanding of I didn't really want to think about my sin because it made me feel bad all of the time. Like, I, I didn't actually need help knowing that I was a sinner. I was very, very aware of that 
on a regular basis. And so if I would come to a service like this and they would say, for the next 10 minutes, we want to focus on our sin, I beg, please no, I've been doing that all week. Can we do something else? Can we focus on Jesus? Can we focus on the hope that he brings? Do I have to focus on my sin? And it was really probably only within the last six or seven years that I began to understand that every time I turn my attention to the depth of my sin, the Spirit draws my attention to the depth of the grace of Christ. Earlier this fall, I shared this idea from Martin Luther with you of every time the devil comes and holds your sin in front of you, don't be scared, but instead use that as an opportunity to say, I know, I can't believe he loves me either. And yet he does. His grace runs deeper. And so our sin, we, we embrace the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But we reject the false game, false shame, and false guilt over forgiven sin. And so tonight you're going to receive that mark in the shape of a cross as a reminder to you that, yes, sin runs deep, but grace is more. Grace is deeper. He brings hope. He brings healing. He brings salvation to us. And then later tonight, you're going to go home and, and you're going to wash your face. or You're going to hop in the shower. And as you begin to wipe and to let that water run over, that the, the stain, the mark is going to disappear completely. And even in that, the lesson continues. That Jesus doesn't just forgive our sins, but he separates our sins from us. Not only does he not hold them against us, but he remembers them no more. And we walk into this new life as his new creation. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask the band to come back. And then you'll have an opportunity to come over here. You'll receive the ashes. You can also receive communion. Our pastors will be available to pray with you if you have particular needs in your life that you would like us to join with you for. But if you'll stand with me, I want to pray for us. And then we will continue to, to worship God. God, we come to you tonight ready to recognize our sin and ready to receive your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you have given gifts to your church of seasons and rhythms and object lessons to remind us of who you are and what you've done. So, Lord, we come tonight and we pray that as we receive the ashes and as we receive communion, that it would remind us of the perfect final work of Jesus on our behalf. That all of our sin has been forgiven, that all of our guilt has been atoned for, that there is nothing left to be done. There is only salvation to be received. So Lord, I pray for those who are burdened by the weight of their sin this evening. As they receive the cross on their forehead, may it be a reminder that all they need you have provided. Lord, I pray for those who doubt your ability to bring salvation to them as they receive the cup and the bread. May they remember that all sin has been finally defeated and nothing stands between them and you. Lord, we surrender to you. We ask that you would come in your power by your spirit, not just tonight, but throughout Lent, drawing our attention to you and preparing our hearts to celebrate resurrection of Jesus Christ together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.